Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, uh, reading the book of Judges makes your head spin. First, you have to know that these men called judges weren't really judges as we know them. They were men, yes, only men with the exception of one woman, Deborah, who, who were supposed to be esteemed leaders of their clans or their areas. It seems that these feuds and skirmishes and wars went on and on for years and years. A lot of the books of Judges tell about, well, this person was the leader for 23 years and then he died. And then the next one took over for 20 years and then he died and was buried. You get the picture. This one man named Jair had 30 sons, and it says that they rode 30 donkeys, and each one of them had a city or a village. So they were called the villages of Jair. Further, it's unknown who wrote the book of Judges. Did one person? did several persons over how many years? And I'm always curious, how did they write these, how did they write down this information? And who kept it? They didn't have pens or pencils, notebooks, typewriters, word processors. Where'd they keep it? And who kept it? And what are we supposed to learn from these writings, especially the book of Judges, where there was such discord and fighting and maiming and killing for years and years and years. If you've looked, Josh assigned me two chapters of Judges today, chapter 10 and 11. And if you've looked at the chapter 10, you'll understand when I tell you I'm not gonna read it to you this morning. <laughs> I'll just share it by saying this. The main theme being the people sinned against the Lord, the Lord got angry with them, and then the Philistines and Ammonites, they had a fight and then they, they conquered them. Then the Israelites apologized to the Lord and all going okay for a while. Then here we go again. No, no one particular judge that we can really look at. So then we get to chapter 11. And the character Jephthah. He was the son of a prostitute whose father was Gilead. Evidently, Jephthah lived with his father who had several other sons with his wife. 
Well, here's what happened. These boys all grew up, and they got together, and they threw Jephthah out. You're not our mother's son. You're the son of another, a prostitute. So you're not really our brother. Now, I'll read a bit of the story. Jephthah, a brave soldier from Gilead, was the son of a prostitute. His father Gilead had other sons by his wife. When they grew up, they forced Jephthah to leave home. They told him, you won't inherit anything from our father. You are the son of another woman. Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. There, he attracted a group of worthless men, and they went around with him. It was some time later that the Ammonites went to war against Israel. And when this happened, the leaders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah back from the land of Tob. They told him, Come and lead us so we can fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah answered, Well, you hated me so much that you forced me to leave my father's home. Why come to me now that you're in trouble? They said to Jephthah, We're coming to you now because we want you to go with us and fight the Ammonites and lead all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to them, If you take me back home to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives me victory, I will be your leader. They replied, We agree. The Lord is our witness. So Jephthah went with the leaders of Gilead, and the people made him their ruler and their leader. Jephthah stated his terms at Mizpah in the presence of the Lord. Okay, now we're going to fast forward through the battle, which so far nobody's won, nobody's lost. Finally, we catch up with him again. Here's, here's how it reads. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and Jephthah promised the Lord, If you will give me victory over the Ammonites, I will burn as an offering the first person that comes out of my house to meet me when I come back from victory. Uh-oh, old Jeppy boy, you don't know what you're promising. And he says, I will hand over that person to you as a sacrifice. Whoa, now he's not offering himself. He's offering somebody else. So the battle ensues. A great slaughter and Jephthah is victorious. Oh, no. Guess who comes to the door? His daughter. Now what? 
When Jephthah went back home, there was his daughter coming out to meet him, dancing and playing the tambourine. She was his only child. And when he saw her, he tore his clothes in sorrow and said, Oh, my daughter, you're breaking my heart. Why must it be you that causes me pain? I've made a solemn promise to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. She told him, well, if you've made a promise to the Lord, do what you said you would do to me, since the Lord has given you re revenge on your enemies, the Ammonites. But she asked her father, do this one thing for me. Leave me alone for two months so that I can go with my friends to wander in the mountains and grieve that I must die. He told her to go and sent her away for two months. She and her friends went up in the mountains and grieved because she was going to die unmarried and childless. After two months, she came back to her father and he did what he had promised the Lord. Now, is that a story or what? How would you like to have a father like that? And do you think the Lord really appreciated a sacrifice like that? Or any sacrifices for that matter? Truly, I cannot believe that killing a lamb or a goat or a person really accomplished a thing. Don't you think maybe doing a good deed would honor the Lord a lot more than killing your own child? Micah, in chapter 3, denounces these leaders by saying, Listen, you rulers of Israel, you're supposed to be concerned about justice, but you hate what is good and you love what is evil. And further, the time is coming when you will cry out to the Lord and he won't answer you. He won't listen to your prayers for you've done evil. One of my very favorite Bible passages is from the book of Micah, chapter six, verses six through eight. It's pretty specific about what the Lord is asking us not for sacrifices, like offering to kill an animal or a person, that's for sure. Here's what Micah tells us. It's called what the Lord requires. You've heard this before, I know. And it goes like this. What shall I bring to the Lord, the God of heaven, when I come to worship him? Shall I bring the best calves to burn as offerings to him? Would the Lord be pleased if I brought him thousands of sheep or endless streams of olive oil? Or shall I offer him my firstborn child to pay for my sins? No, the Lord's told us what's good. What, have, what he requires of us is to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. Honestly, what kind of sacrifice 
is that if you kill an animal or your child or anyone or thing for that matter, you gotta be kidding, right? It isn't easy to do these things, to do what the Lord requires. But I believe that as Christians, as members of Christ's church, it's our responsibility to try, to do our best. We all know that nobody can be perfect. We're all going to goof up at times. But that doesn't mean we can't stop trying. When we fall down, get up, stand up, and try again. And thinking back to our judge of this day, Jephthah, and his promise, I have an idea he wished he, t he, wished he could take back that promise, <laughs> that he wishes he had promised something else. Thinking of promises you've made, any that backfired? Any that you wish you'd kept your mouth shut and thought about it for a while longer? Or maybe something that was promised you that never came to fruition. It's a good lesson early on not to promise something that you can't for sure carry out. When someone counts on you and it doesn't happen, a promise made in haste, one not well thought out. That's probably something that's happened to all of us, and it doesn't feel good. But golly, that promise that Jephthah made, he sacrificed not himself, but his daughter. And according to what it says her response was, she just acquiesced to her father's promise to the Lord. I don't think I would have been so calm, would you? We have to remember also that in those days, the Almighty was given the credit or the blame for just about everything that happened. If it rained too much or not enough, if it stormed, if lightning struck trees and fires burned out the forest, if there was a famine or if there was plenty of food, if people were made sick or if locusts invaded the land, then the Lord was punishing the people because they had been bad by making all these horrible things happen. Or the Lord was rewarding them because they had done good. I believe they honestly tried to make the Almighty happy, and they thought that making sacrifices was the way to do it. Instead, in Micah, it gives us the proper way to do so. How could you believe that the Lord would be pleased if you killed your daughter? Really? But in those days, they thought that was the right way to please the Lord. Thankfully, all those thoughts are now so, so obsolete. So what do we get out of today's scripture lesson? Rather than giving us instructions as to how to act, what to do, perhaps it's what not to do. 
For one thing, you don't make a promise that involves somebody else, right? Think about the promise seriously before you make it, because somebody is counting on that. They believe you, and they count on that promise. I know it's happened to all of us, that promise that was made and not carried through, and it's so disappointing. And it's hard to see our children suffer through a promise not kept. I was part of a book study some years ago, and the book was called The Four Agreements. I wrote those four agreements down, and I keep them by my computer and try to keep them in front of me. And they are, be impeccable with your word, don't make assumptions, don't take it personally, and always do your best. Kind of related to those words in Micah, I think. If we could follow both of these, I think that might be a good lesson from today's scripture lesson. Instead of just remembering all those horrible things that those people did. Next week, Josh will tell us about another judge, a judge or two. In the meantime, Try to be outside as much as possible to enjoy our beautiful weather. Even if it should be raining, or even cooler, think sunny days and October's bright blue weather. Amen. <laughs>